Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.podomatic.com. Hello, you're listening to Luke's English Podcast, and this is part two of an episode in which you can listen to contributions and competition entries from listeners all over the world. People have sent me MP3 recordings of their voices talking about uh, something in response to an episode of Luke's English Podcast. And uh, these are entries for a competition in order to win uh, a dictionary. Uh, You can vote for your favourite entry uh, by just adding a comment below this episode. You can just type the name uh, and the country of the person that you're voting for. And the person with the most number of votes, uh, the biggest number of votes overall, will be the winner and they will claim the dictionary. You you can also find part one of this episode on the website, which is um, teacherluke.podomatic.com. So um, you will now hear competition entries from the following people. Uh, So you're going to hear from uh, Kiyomi from Japan, Luigi from Italy, Marco from Italy, Nadia from Bulgaria, Nina the dog, Regina from Russia, Roman from Switzerland, Romina from Iran, Samuel from Brazil, Steph from Bulgaria, Wagner from Brazil, uh, Vanessa from Germany, and finally Yoshida from Japan. So you're going to hear contributions from all of those people. Um, And so let's get started, shall we? Ladies and gentlemen, the first competition entry that you're going to hear is Kiyomi from Japan. Hello, Luke. I'm Kiyomi from Japan. Thank you very much for giving us an opportunity to participate in this competition. I'd love to get the dictionary. I'm going to talk about the episode, Good Things Come to Those Who Wait. I've been actually putting this quote on my Skype profile. Um, and one day one of my English teacher asked me what do you mean with this quote do you truly believe that you just wait and good things will come to you and then I said no no teacher I mean you need to do your best and after you've done just wait and see how it goes you have to be patient because Things need to ta- need time to get matured. Especially learning language takes time, right? And then I realized, hey, you have to say this to me, don't you? I've never said it to her though. Actually, that was hilarious. Anyway, let's be patient, listeners, and do our best, shall we? Then. Let's believe good things eventually come to us. Okay, thanks. 
Well, thanks to you too, Kiyomi, and very good advice. I'm sure that uh, that is just to stay positive, uh, don't give up, just have some patience, and finally, you know, good things will come in your direction. Very nice message, Kiyomi. Um, I'm, I'm doing feedback on. Uh, these, these um, recordings, by the way, bits of language feedback, because I think that's actually a very, very good, very effective way to, to learn. Um, in fact, um, in a classroom situation, language feedback is something that the teacher uh, will often do, and it's like a central part of uh, learning a language, is getting feedback on the mistakes that you're making. But also in those mixed uh, culture, mixed nationality groups, you end up sort of learning things about grammar or vocabulary from other people's mistakes quite a lot. So it ends up becoming kind of a workshop where you actually learn various bits of remedial grammar just from hearing everyone in the room being corrected. And it's, um, it's a really good way of kind of getting to grips with uh, the language and, and working out the difference between your language and another language. So um, also each nationality tends to, make its, tends to make similar kinds of errors. So Japanese people will make a certain type or Portuguese speakers, Russian speakers, whatever. They all seem to make their own sorts of uh, mistakes because mainly it's a result of influence from the first language. Language. Um, so I am adding little bits of language feedback uh, to these uh, recordings. So, Kiyomi, you just said uh, to participate this conversation, to participate this conversation, and it should be to participate in this um, competition, uh, to participate in something. And you said one of my English teacher asked me, and obviously it's uh, one of my English teacher's asked me usually uh, one of my and then plural one of my english teachers um other than that really good now let's move on to the next uh, recording which i have and uh, i've got it here somewhere in the depths the deepest darkest depths of my computer uh, next we have luigi who comes from italy hi luke it's luigi from italy i'm 17 years old nearly 18 i just want to say goodbye to your competition so uh, the two uh, podcasts I'd like to talk about, are the first one, uh, which is about uh, your interview to Vicky, the Chinese student who's studying at Oxford University. So um, although she's a really good speaker, this is something I immediately noticed. You can tell that she's not English after five seconds if you're an expert listener. Uh, so this is something that really upsets me. It doesn't depend on how much you study English, but then you won't ever be as good as a native speaker. Um, because even if you have a similar knowledge, your accent would, be, would never be as good as that. And once I was in London, I was, talking, I was speaking to a Russian girl who studied there, and she told she taught me really ne nervously listening to me saying you don't have to try to copy the english accent you you just uh, you should just speak with your accent as i do and so i said i don't i don't believe so if you want to learn a language you should try to speak that way i mean you know you know what i mean uh then the, another podcast which I really appreciate was the one about Cockney accent. Uh, I'm really into it. Uh, this is exactly the material I was looking for, and suddenly I, I bumped into it, and I was really happy to listen to it. Um, the first time I listened to it, it was incomprehensible. 
although I generally have no problem to understanding podcasts. Uh, then it was really great the way you explained everything. Uh, at, the at, the third, at the third time I listened to it, it was just normal. So thank you very much for all everything you're doing. Uh, then there's nothing to say. Bye. Thanks very, very much for that, uh, Luigi. Very interesting to hear from you there. Interesting, you were talking about uh, accents. You said that um, something like, uh, no, matter how hard we, no matter how hard we try, we can never kind of uh, get a natural accent. Um, well, hmm, that's interesting, that is, because some people actually do kind of try to put on an accent, uh, but they do it, you know, in a, in a subtle way, like the way actors can learn how to, to use a different accent in a movie. You know, like an English accent actor like Kate Winslet might do an American role and she does a perfect American accent. So it is kind of possible. But in learning English, perhaps, um, you know, that just raises the question, do you really need a kind of English accent? Is that really what you need? Or are you kind of willing to basically have a kind of another kind of accent? Because really English is just very broad, extremely broad as a language. And it has many, many different sort of dialects and cultural identities. And English really exists um, all around the world. It's not just something that's owned by the United Kingdom or the United States. We don't really just own it that much. It's Because it's used everywhere, it, it, it means that there are many different sort of slightly regional variations on English. And as long as it's kind of correct and it's understandable, then it's fine to have a bit of an accent, a bit of a regional accent, I think. Um, because that's part of your identity. You know, it becomes like the way they say, you know, um, like Australian English or Indian English, for example. Although in English isn't the first language there, you still have a sort of kind of version of English, which is, you know, pretty much as acceptable as anything else, really, in, in, in the marketplace. Um, I, I noticed that you were uh, sort of dropping the T sound uh, in that one, Luigi. So you were saying things like... Uh, uh, do you know what I mean? Not, not do you know what I mean? Which is very natural. That's how a lot of English people speak. But uh, don't drop the T sound on, on every word. So, for example, the word competition. Um, I think that, you know, a Cockney would still say competition. But um, because if you drop the T in that word, it doesn't sound right. Competition, you know, it's not somehow not the same word. So comp I think a Cockney would say competition. You know, do you know what I mean? Um, but um, and things like notice, notice. Yeah, Cockney would say noticed. I noticed it. Yeah, uh, which is obviously I noticed it. But yeah, I noticed that. So I suppose they would say that. Um, so really, if you're thinking about uh, your accent, you really need to sort of carefully pick what kind of accent it is that you want, and then just try and focus on listening to that and copying the sounds of of that. So it might be BBC English, or it might be even just listening to me on this podcast. You would just listen to that and try and copy it. Um, uh, but, you know, if you if you would like to speak in a certain way, if you'd like to speak that kind of Cockney dialect, then, yeah, find some examples of it and, and go for it. But you must understand that that's kind of a regional dialect. And especially the kind of Cockney you see in films, there aren't really many people who, who speak like that. And if they did, when you met them, you might think that they were a kind of East End gangster or something. Um, but still, plenty of people speak like that, you know, for a lot of football players and things like that. Uh, OK, we're going to move on with the next uh, contribution. 
and that is Marco from Italy as well. Okay, this is going to be super fast because two minutes, really, it's crazy. Uh, hi everyone, this is Marco from Italy and I wanted to reply to Luke's podcast about idioms because I find it brilliant and I love idioms because they, I think they are uh, the funniest thing about English. Actually, also in Italian we have our own sayings that we use every now and then, but they sound completely different from the English ones, even when they share the same meaning. Um, I'm here to uh, give you the Italian corresponding of two uh, idioms, which are uh, the pot calling the cattle black, which in Italian would be the ox uh, calling the donkey horned, And uh, the other one is um, don't count your eggs before they're hatched, which in Italian would be don't say cat before it's actually in your bag. Um, so they, as you can see, they are totally different. Um, I remember um, a guy from UK once told me that uh, he thought that um, Italian sayings are more colorful and imaginative. So I wanted to to ask your opinion and I wanted to know your point of view. Uh, also, I was wondering um, how do idioms sound like in other languages and cultures and if they are used or not. And uh, so please, everyone, tell me. Um, okay, that's it. Um, hope you enjoyed. And see ya. Thanks for that, Marco. And yes, very interesting, uh, the question of idioms. Um, and they are, you're right, they are funny. Idioms are kind of pretty amusing aspects of the language, aren't they? Um, a couple of idioms you mentioned there, the pot calling the kettle black. That's when someone is being hypocritical, you'd say. That's the pot calling the kettle black. Um, and uh, don't count, we would actually say don't count your chickens before they hatch. And that means that even if you've got six eggs, it doesn't mean you're going to have six chickens. So don't count the chickens until they are hatched, until they've come out of their shells. Um, are, your question about uh, are Italian idioms more beautiful than English ones? Well, I'm, I can't say that I know many uh, Italian idioms except the ones that you just taught me then. So I can't really say, but I know that Italian is definitely a very beautiful language. So I'm sure that uh, there are some really fantastic idioms in, in Italian. Um, and also, yes, idioms are used a lot in many languages. For example, I know that Arabic is absolutely full of idioms and they use them all the time. Um, so, yes, very nice, very nice comments about uh, idioms there. So let's move on to the next person. And this one is actually by email, so I'm going to read it out. Um, and this is from Nadia in Bulgaria. And she says, hi, teacher Luke. Hi, everybody. My name is Nadia, and this is my entrance for the competition. I'm not really sure which is my favourite podcast, honestly, because I think all of them are unique, very funny, so useful, and I enjoy them a lot. Every time when I listen to them, I discover something new, something I haven't noticed or I've just forgotten. There, are too, there is uh, too much information there, so it's not possible to catch up all at once, and revision is always needed. One of them which uh, had a huge influence on me was about vampires. I read all the Twilight books by Stephanie Meyer afterwards, and I suppose I improved my English, and that's the point, isn't it? Okay, but now I'd like to speak about Michael Jackson, uh, and especially about his skin. I like him, and I do like his music, but I'm not a crazy fan. 
Anyway, I want to say that he had um, vitiligo, and that's the reason he looked so pale and white. For those who don't know what vitiligo is, this is an autoimmune disease which, ca which causes a pigmentation disorder. In other words, the cells that make pigment in the skin are destroyed. As a result, white patches appear on the skin in different parts of the body. The most common place they would appear first is on the fingers. If you remember in the early 80s, Michael Jackson was wearing a strange glove on his hand, and I think he had these patches on his face as well. I can't imagine how horrible that could have been, especially, that, uh, especially when he got the disease in his early 20s at the beginning of his career. It could have been an emotional collapse. I suppose after years of fighting and covering it up with a makeup or tanning lotion, he chose the final solution that many people, um, that what many people with the disease would do, which is a procedure called depigmentation. This gets rid of all remaining colour on the skin, and as a result, the skin becomes so pale. Unfortunately, this procedure could cause skin cancer. I'm very sorry about him, and I think that we shouldn't have blamed him that much as we did, because. He must have had a very difficult life after all. Nadia from Bulgaria. Uh, well, yes, uh, comments about Michael Jackson. He certainly had a mysterious life. Um, a, a great talent, though, an absolutely great talent. Right, the next um, entry is uh, another one by email. And this is from um, Nina the Dog. So I believe this is a, a letter from a, from a dog, as a matter of fact. And it goes like this. Hi, famous, fabulous, modest Luke. I would try to win the dictionary. Um, as Steve Jobs said, stay hungry, stay foolish. My name is Nina and I'm a dog. No, Luke, not a hot dog. You asked to send a short message, not more than 200 barks. Well, that's quite a challenge, isn't it? While my mistress and I are doggedly listening to your podcast episodes, we often have a good laugh. My mistress focuses more on new English words and expressions when I'm much more attracted by your jokes and crazy sounds. Today, for example, you taught me how to slurp my water. I love this sound, but nobody else here shares my opinion. To make it short, here are some reflections. Don't let Barack Obama and the Queen enjoy your podcast for free. Let them pay for it. Study French more than once a week. Trust me, that's not enough. I prefer French policemen over English policemen. Here we call them chicken instead of pigs. Yum, yum. My favourite actor, Uggy, uh, who plays in the movie The Artist. So keep up your great job and greetings to your brother James. Bye, 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 bye. Nina. So that was actually from a, uh, a dog. I didn't realise that uh, dogs listen to the podcast. Um, I do sometimes make announcement to, uh, announcements to you know, the dogs and cats that happen to be in the room listening to an episode. But it's very nice to hear back from one of those dogs. So uh, thank you very much. Uh, that was absolutely uh, fantastic. I didn't realise that dogs could write emails. Uh, but I'm glad that they can. I'm very glad that they've finally managed to do that. So well done. And they also speak, you know, fairly good English, really. I didn't realise they were capable of doing that. Right, so let's move on to the next entry. And this is uh, Regina, Regina, I'm not sure how to say it, from Russia. Hi, my name is Regina. Okay, so it's Regina. Okay, so this is Regina and she's from Moscow. I'm from Moscow, Russia. And first of all, I would like to thank you, Luke, for the great job you're doing. I really enjoy listening to your podcast. It's very interesting and useful, so thanks a lot. Um, well, uh, I want to say here a few words about the episode dedicated to London Tube. And since I live in Moscow, I can tell that everything you guys were talking about is absolutely true for the Moscow subway as well. 
Uh, as you mentioned, Moscow Underground is one of the busiest ones in the world. It's overcrowded, lots of people here. Uh, well, actually, I believe that the only difference between Moscow and London subways is uh, we do not have here that many tourists. And I suppose this is because Moscow is quite far away from Europe and the United States and flight tickets um, are very expensive to come here and plus the weather here is not very good I mean it's not friendly like right now we have minus one degree outside and just yesterday we had a snowfall and this is the end of March so you know what I mean well um, anyway I want to say that if any of Luke's listeners are going to visit Moscow, so guys, please note, advices from the London subway episode would be very useful for you here in Moscow too. Well, I hope you enjoyed my Russian accent. Good luck to everybody. Bye-bye. Nice uh, Russian accent there. I can't, I can't really roll my R's. You know, that sort of R-R-R thing. I can't, I can't really do it. Because in English we don't really do that, so, you know, if I tried to speak Russian I'd sound ridiculous, I expect. Thank you very much uh, for that, Regina. Talk about not friendly weather. Well, I don't know, uh, that's a pity. I mean, the weather here in England is not exactly friendly either. It's quite reserved, uh, you might say. You know, it's, it only sort of gets friendly during the summer. Um, uh, very, very nice comments, yes. Uh, I imagine all of those uh, bits of advice for the London Underground will also apply to uh, other underground systems all over the world. Um, thanks for that. You, uh, one thing you said, uh, Regina, was uh, advices. And it's not advices, it's always advice. If you want to make it plural, it's pieces of advice. Um, OK, so there we go. That's uh, fantastic from... Uh, from another comment there from Russia. And we're now going to move on to Roman from Switzerland. Hi, guys. Um, I choose to talk about a day in the life. Um, and, um, well, in fact, uh, I study English in university here in France. And um, I've realised something that really, that really um, puzzled me. Um, in the beginning, um, it really bugged me because um, what I was expecting was um, for someone who didn't know English that well. Uh, well, um, I was expecting that uh, to be taught things like um, I don't know basic things like um, I woke up in the morning, um, I went to the bathroom. Uh, I took a shower, and I got ready to go to school, uh, things like that. But instead of this, um, they taught you things like, um, I don't know, grammar stuff. Like, uh, how to tell the difference between uh, present perfect tense and, and the predatory tense. Uh, and, and um, I don't know, uh, people who don't know English really well, um, what they don't, they don't want to know this. They just want to know how to say uh, hello, uh, how to do, uh, some fine things, how are you, um, and so on. And um, and in a way, um, university kind of sucks, I'd say, because of this. Um, 
but I don't say you mustn't go to university. No, of course, go to the university uh, if you've got the opportunity to go. Uh, but as an, it, it's my call, you know. Um, I, I don't think university, in the beginning at least, um, um, well, that, that wasn't what I was expecting to be, to be honest. Um, so, yeah. That's it. Um, yeah. Have a good uh, day or evening. Uh, yeah, bye. Thank you very much for that, Roman. And uh, I think what you were saying there really was um, the fact that what people really need to learn about English is uh, the sort of high-frequency language that uh, you can actually use when you just go out into the street or when you actually meet people. Those phrases uh, that are just really important in your day-to-day -day life, rather than, for example, learning the linguistics of the language or learning the language from the bottom up or whatever it is. Um, yes, perhaps, perhaps that's a good idea, and I expect that going to university and studying English, you kind of study the grammar and the, the, the linguistic kind of analysis of it, rather than the pragmatics of it, perhaps, the, the, the actual way in which you would phrase something in order to achieve something. Um, yeah, I guess uh, something like uh, my episode on essential social English is the kind of thing that you're talking about there too. Um, thank you very much, Roman. It's nice to, uh, to hear from you. And uh, what uh, you're now going to hear um, a student uh, called Romina from Iran. And Romina is responding to uh, some comments I made about aliens in a recent podcast. So this is Romina from Iran talking about aliens. People say that what we call a UFO doesn't exist. In fact, they don't believe in aliens because they say it may be uh, a, an aeroplane, a spacecraft, a meteor, or even ordinary lights in the city. But what I'm saying is that in the past, people hadn't invented these things that cheat sky yet. So it can be these things. Furthermore, they uh, painted uh, whatever they saw, um, uh, a strange things uh, like... Um, uh, shining and hovering in the sky, they paint it on the walls, and uh, we can clearly see the signs of aliens' existence in their stories and legends. And uh, one other thing that I rather believe in aliens is that I wonder how could they build structures like um, um, the wonders of the world, like pyramids, um, not because they're some beautiful ancient structures, but because of their systems located inside them. It, it uh, clearly needs um, advanced levels of engineering, and I think that in those ancient times, it's so unlikely to build such structures without getting any help from a powerful source like aliens, um, advanced civilizations like aliens, and um, and about their landing, I guess that they land on some powerful places, some places that are full of energy to get as much energy as they need to uh, land wherever they want, like the Bermuda Triangle. And uh, yes, it is an interesting topic to search about. And I think that if you follow this topic, you are not going to leave it. And if you want, you can find some evidences, a lot of evidences, of course. And um, I think that it's, in my view, it's not ridiculous to think that aliens do exist at all. It's ridiculous. I think that it's ridiculous to think that uh, the only intelligent creatures living in this huge universe are humans living in a small planet like Earth. Thank you and bye. Wow. 
Wow, some passionate uh, words there about aliens and UFOs and things. Uh, very, very uh, great to get such a kind of interested comment on that subject, uh, a subject which I think is very fascinating. Uh, it's, it's great to see that you're engaging uh, with the topic there, Romina. That's uh, that's wonderful. Um, and uh, but still, you know, I'm not convinced. I'm afraid you you know you had quite a persuasive argument, but I'm afraid I'm not, I'm still not convinced. You said that um, if we go back uh, to the past and look at the past and look at the things they achieved, you said that um, how could they have achieved those things without the help of some advanced sort of alien civilization or something? Well, is it not possible that uh, humans achieved those things in the past just by their own means? Because, in fact, humans have been very advanced for, for many, many, many uh, thousands and thousands of years. And even if we go way back, uh, sort of five or 6,000 years into the past, you'd still have uh, human beings being very capable of, of creating advanced and very complicated uh, civilizations. You only need to go to, for example, places like Mexico or... Um, you know, other parts of Southern America and other structures like Stonehenge, for example, to see that they were very sophisticated people, even though they were thousands of years ago. So I think it's much more likely that people did all those things rather than getting some help from uh, aliens. Um, let's see. Um, you, you said they painted pictures and things in which they drew pictures of UFOs uh, and, and so on. Well, isn't it possible that those could be other things? Um, again, just because we, we think they look mysterious and we don't know what they are, that doesn't mean that they are therefore aliens. It could be anything else. Why are, we, why are we jumping to the conclusion that it's aliens when there's no reason why it couldn't be something else, maybe not aliens, you know? Uh, but uh, I'm not saying that I don't believe that aliens exist. I think that aliens may well exist, considering the universe is so huge. Um, it's, you know, it's very likely that there's going to be some life out there uh, but will it be intelligent life and will it be the, the kind of life that would travel to Earth in a kind of uh, metal spacecraft? Uh, would it necessarily work like that? It might be that aliens managed to jump through space, you know, holes in space or something. We've no idea what they would look like when they arrive. Why do we assume that they would arrive in a kind of uh, glowing metal disc? Why is that what we assume uh, they, they arrive as? They could come as um, in any other way. Um, let's see. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like the fact you're passionate about the subject, but I'm still not completely convinced. But I'm a sceptic, you see. I'm a sceptic. So I'm not going to tell you that you shouldn't believe what you believe about UFOs and so on. That's up to you, and you're free to do whatever you want, think whatever you want. But personally, I'm a bit of a sceptic. But very interesting comments, nevertheless, uh, from you, Romina, in Iran. So let's move on. We're now going to hear from Samuel Lima, uh, and he's from Brazil. And I believe this is another email which was sent to me. So I'm just opening it now using uh, Microsoft Word. Uh, I've got a Mac laptop and I've loaded Microsoft Word onto it. So it's kind of like Microsoft and an Apple Mac kind of competing with each other on my laptop. I th I'm sure that whenever I launch the uh, Microsoft Word uh, application, it always has a bit of a fight with the... Uh, the Apple Mac operating system. I'm sure they don't like each other. I can just imagine Steve Jobs and Bill Gates like having a kind of having a, an arm wrestle or something while this thing loads. So okay, it's finally loaded. And uh, so this is Samuel from Brazil, and this is what he says. He said, while watching some videos on YouTube, I accidentally and thankfully bumped into Teacher Luke's podcasts. Actually, Samuel, it should be I came across 
Teacher Luke's podcast. After listening to a few of them, I ended up picking one, which is the A to Z of random thoughts, in order to make some comments and take part in this competition. Thus, not only uh, I highly recommend them to any English learners in the world, but I also honestly appreciate them for some reasons. Firstly, because I'm a listener, we have an excellent opportunity to improve our vocabulary and brush up on our English language skills. For example, at this specific podcast, he brought up about 70 words from A to Z, along with their meanings. Interesting comments, and on the top of that, we have the opportunity to learn the beautiful English accent led by Luke. Another reason is that his comments are authentic, exciting, and he contextualises them with suitable explanations. For instance, he connected the word James, which is his brother's name, with the expression, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. In other terms, we have the chance to learn new words and also important, well-explained idioms. Furthermore, we really have to take into consideration that English language teaching is Luke's expertise area. In short, I would like to emphasise that it's very important that you, an English learner, not miss Luke's podcasts. And last but not least, I appeal to Luke's deserved donations. I'm going to do mine as soon as possible. Sammy from Brazil, currently living in the UK in Coventry. Well, thank you very much. Those are very nice uh, comments. Um, and I agree. I think that uh, listening to Luke's English podcast, of course, is a fantastic way to learn loads of useful language and idioms and things like that. So thank you very much, Sammy from Brazil. Uh, you're now going to listen to Steph from Bulgaria. Hello, my name is Steph. I'm from Sofia, Bulgaria. Well, straight to the point. I like to take part in this competition. So my response is connected with one of your podcasts, the episode about top advice for learning English. In fact, the, the whole name of this episode is top advice for learning English, idioms with say and culture shock. And some months ago, I searched on the internet uh, things about how to improve my English. And I visited uh, your web blog and I listened to uh, exactly this particular episode on uh, top advice for learning English. Since then, um, I've started listening to Lux English podcast a lot, and from my point of view, this particular episode is the best. I've learned a lot of things about how to improve my English and also very interesting things about what is culture shock, what can I expect if I go and live abroad. I like most uh, the idea that I have to listen things in English as much as possible. And also, in this podcast, I like that it's a real British English, it's natural speaking, so it's a great job. Thank you, Luke, and keep doing this wonderful work. That's for me. See you. Thanks a lot for that, Steph, and I'm glad that you feel that my advice has been useful in your quest to improve your English. So that was uh, Steph from Bulgaria, and we are now going to move on. Uh, we're nearing the end here, nearing the end of the competition. Uh, the next 
uh, entry is from Vanessa von Aspern from Germany. So please, ladies and gentlemen, have a listen to Vanessa and what she's got to say. Hello, my name is Vanessa von Aspern. I'm 14 years old and I'm from Hamburg in Germany. Um, my favorite podcast is um, about Steve Jobs, who was the business leader. And he had um, incredible innovations like the iPod, the iPad or the iPhone. And they had all clever features. And Steve Jobs really changed the world. And he achieved a lot in his life. But unfortunately he died young. Um, but he was so famous for his speeches because he used very useful techniques and he was very talented and I have I have really a lot of respect for him and um, the thing is that he's speaking from his heart and he means that you should follow your heart your intuition and you should find what you love and keep looking don't settle and yeah that's why I just think this is my favorite podcast well, thank you very much for that, Vanessa. Very, uh, very eloquently put uh, comments there about Steve Jobs. And yes, you're absolutely right. He's quite an inspiration to us. Um, he achieved so much in his fairly short life and he did make some very excellent, some absolutely excellent speeches as well. Some incredibly uh, sort of articulate uh, speeches and very persuasive, like his keynote speeches, his presentations of the latest versions of the iPod, for example, or the iPhone. And he was a genuinely a natural leader. Um, he was kind of determined. He had his ideas and he was determined to push them all the way through to fruition. Um, and very charismatic guy as well, maybe because of his determination to, to get his ideas through. It really sort of, maybe that charisma comes from a kind of slight obsession or something like that. Often it's a, a, an obsession that will uh, push you to be very driven, which then in turn sort of makes people get swept up in your momentum. Uh, thank you very much for that, Vanessa. Um, and we are now going to hear the final comment that I've got. And this is another one that was sent in to me by email, so I'm going to read it out to you now. And this is Yoshida from Japan. And Yoshida says, Hi, Teacher Luke. This is a comment on Mind the Gap, how to use the London Underground. I appreciate your useful podcast, not only for English learners, but for visitors who are planning to use the tube. I, it was challenging for me to follow the conversation because you spoke at natural speed, but it seems fast to me, and your talk was full of humour. Pasquale's Canadian accent made it harder to catch up with the conversation too. You mean, I think you mean keep up with the conversation. By the way, in Japan, except for Osaka, we stand on the left of the escalators. I suppose you were upset for the first week or so in Japan. On the contrary, you probably know that only in Osaka people stand on the right as well as you. I'm wondering why the side people stand on is different that way. It's a kind of mystery, isn't it? Are there differences uh, between how people behave in the escalators between cities in the UK like that? I certainly look forward to listening to your next episode, Yoshida. Well, thank you, Yoshida, uh, for that comment. And um, let's see, so, so standing on the other side uh, on the escalators. Well, as far as I know, in the rest of the country, I imagine they, they do the same thing that we do, which is to stand on the right and walk on the left. I imagine so. But uh, to be honest, when I went to Japan, uh, the escalators weren't the things that sort of confused me. 
so much. In fact, I thought everything like that was very convenient, very uh, well organised. Uh, I don't believe it was a big shock for me to stand on the other side of the elevator. Um, what what some surprising things about Japan were, for example, when you when I walked into a shop in Japan, I would be greeted. Um, so it's quite common to be greeted with by the shop staff, and they do a kind of shamase. Kind of thing where they shout this um, thing, which I mean, I imagine means welcome to the shop. It's like, Shamazen! Like that. So sometimes it's really loud. Shamazen! Like that. So I would walk into like this big open plan uh, shop to buy some shoes, like some sports trainers or something. And there'd be like four or five members of staff in there and, and me in the middle. And they would all be shouting at me like, Shamazen! 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 Like that. It was very strange. And even like guys who were sort of. Um, down by the shelves, putting shoes on the shelves, who weren't even looking at me. They was like, you know, they would just hear other people going, and they'd be like, very odd experience, because people don't do that in the shops here. In fact, they, what tends to happen in shops here is that someone will come up to you and say, do you need any help at all? And you go, no thanks, I'm just looking. And then they leave you alone. Um, so, well, that, it appears, is the end of uh, this episode, and that, that wraps up this whole competition. So I do hope that you vote for whichever one of those is your favourite, and just like I've said before, the winning contribution will uh, win the Macmillan Phrasal Verb Dictionary, which I've got, and there are two runners-up prizes. There's an old edition of the Oxford Phrasal Verbs Dictionary and another old edition of the Oxford Idioms Dictionary. So uh, do vote and we'll uh, we'll see who wins, OK? So that's it. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you very much for voting. This has been Luke's English Podcast. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Luke's English Podcast. Don't forget to visit teacherluke.podomatic.com for more information. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.